It's July the 29th. Let's read the Bible. Friends, welcome back to this year-long journey through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in just one year. So glad to have you with us. It's an honor to read the Word of God with you day by day. We started in January, and here we are near the end of July. We are near the, well, we're at the midpoint today of the book of Romans, but we are just moving right along, and after the month of July, only five months left in the year. So we are we are moving toward the finish line. So glad that you joined us. Just a reminder, uh, these videos are archived at keepbelieving.com. That's where you really ought to go to watch the videos, keepbelieving.com. Click on Let's Read the Bible, and you'll find them all. They're organized by month, but there are two places on Facebook where you can watch the videos, also watch them on YouTube or on the Rumble video platform. All of them there, they are free of charge. I hope you'll watch them. I hope you will like them. I hope you will subscribe to the Keep Believing YouTube channel and the Keep Believing Rumble channel. Uh, those are some ways you can help us. Really appreciate your prayers. means a great deal. I had no idea. I've said this before. I didn't know how big this mountain was. And uh, now that we are deep into it, uh, it has been a thrill and a joy. But it, it remains, in my mind, the hardest thing I've ever tried to do. And so I hope you will pray for me that we could together finish victoriously, make it by God's grace to the end of the year and stand on the mountain peak at the end of the Bible and say, even so, come Lord Jesus. Well, that'll be on December the 31st. That's not where we are today. We are in in July the 29th, and we're in the middle of the book of Romans. Just a reminder, we're calling Romans God's good news. This is the most important letter, not just in the New Testament, not just in the Bible. This is the most important letter ever written by anybody at any time, because this is the letter that makes clear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you want to know how to go to heaven, read the book of Romans. There's a reason why a couple of generations ago, maybe a hundred years ago, for all I know, somebody came up with the Romans Road plan of salvation. Romans 3.10, Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23, Romans 5.8, and finally Romans 10.13, for whosoever call shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Romans 3.10, Romans 3.23, we've all sinned. Uh, Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. Romans 5.8, God commends his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And then the wonderful news in Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, believe with your heart, confess with your mouth, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There's a reason why multiplied millions of people are going to be in heaven because somebody shared with them the Romans Road plan of salvation. I'm just saying this is the great book that is the seedbed of Christian theology. This is, if you don't understand the gospel, read the book of Romans and you will come to understand it. Here's the simple outline. Condemnation, chapters 1 to 3. Justification, chapters 4 and 5. Sanctification, chapters 6 through 8. Vindication, that's our passage for today, uh, chapters 9, 10, and 11, and then application, chapters 12 through 16. Now, we're calling Romans 9 through 11 vindication. 
It's Paul's vindication of our great God. One of the issues that troubled people in the early church, I think Paul really wrestled with this. If Jesus was Jewish, and he was, if he was indeed the promised Jewish Messiah, and he was, if the gospel first for the Jews and then for the Greeks, and yes, that's true. If if God always intended that the good news would come to the Jewish people, then why is it in the first century, continuing until now, so many Jews either have not believed or have rejected Jesus Christ or simply have no interest? That was such a such a question. Paul here in chapters 9, 10, 11, he's going to talk first in Romans 9 about Israel's past. Then he's going to talk in Romans 10 about Israel's present. Then he's going to talk in Romans 11 about the great future for the chosen people of God, the, the Jewish people, Israel, ethnic Israel, Israel as a people, as a nation. Does God still have a plan for them? The answer is going to be yes. Let's just see how Paul develops this. Romans 9, I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience testifies to me through the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the benefit of my brothers and sisters, my own flesh and blood. They are Israelites, and to them belong to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the temple service, and the promises. The ancestors are theirs, and from them, by physical descent, came the Christ, who is God over all, praised forever. Amen. Now, it is not as though the word of God has failed. Because not all who were descended from Israel are Israel. Neither is it the case that all of Abraham's children are his descendants. On the contrary, your offspring, your seed, will be traced through Isaac. That is, it is not the children by physical descent who are God's children, but the children of the promise are considered to be the offspring. For this is the statement of the promise. At this time I will come and Sarah will have a son. And not only that, but Rebekah conceived children through one man, our father Isaac, for through her son, for though her sons had not been born yet or done anything good or bad, so that God's purpose, according to election, might stand, not from works, but from the one who calls. She was told, the older will serve the younger, as it is written, I have loved Jacob, but I have hated Esau. What should we say then? Is there injustice with God? Absolutely not. For he tells Moses, I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then, it does not depend on human will or effort, but on God who shows mercy. For the scripture tells Pharaoh, I raised you up for this reason, so that I may display my power in you, and that my name may be proclaimed in the whole earth. So then, he has mercy on whom he wants to have mercy, and he hardens whom he wants to harden. You will say to me, therefore, why then does he still find fault? For who resists his will? On the contrary, who are you, a human being, to talk back to God? Will what is formed say to the one who formed it, Why did you make me like this? Or has the potter no right over the clay to make from the same lump one piece of pottery for honor and another for dishonor? And what if God wanted to display his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much patience, objects of wrath prepared for destruction, and what if he did this to make known the riches of his glory on objects of mercy that he prepared beforehand for glory on us 
the ones he also called, not only from the Jews, but also from the Gentiles. As it also says in Hosea, I will call not my people, my people, and she who is unloved, beloved. And it will be told in the place where they were told, you are not my people, that they will be called sons of the living God. But Isaiah cries out concerning Israel, though the number of Israelites is like the sand of the sea, only the remnant will be saved, since the Lord will execute his sentence completely and decisively on the earth. And just as Isaiah predicted, if the Lord of armies had not left us offspring, we would have become like Sodom. We would have been made like Gomorrah. What shall we say then? Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have obtained righteousness, namely the righteousness that comes from faith. But Israel, pursuing the law of righteousness, has not achieved the righteousness of the law. Why is that? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as if it were by works. They stumbled over the stumbling stone. As it is written, look, I am putting a stone in Zion to stumble over and a rock to trip over. And the one who believes on him will not be put to shame. There's a lot there. We'll just call that Israel's past. God's election. Israel's past. But what about Israel in the present? Could they be saved? Could they be saved today? Romans 10, brothers and sisters. My heart's desire and prayer to God concerning them is for their salvation. I can testify about them that they have zeal for God, but not according to knowledge, since they are ignorant of the righteousness of God and attempted to establish their own righteousness. They have not submitted to God's righteousness, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes, since Moses writes about the righteousness that is from the law. The one who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that comes from faith speaks like this. Do not, do, do not say in your heart, who will go up to heaven? That is to bring Christ down. Or who will go down into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. On the contrary, what does it say? The message is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. This is the message of faith that we proclaim. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For one believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame, since there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, because the same Lord of all richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on him whom they have not believed in? And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from what is heard and what is heard comes through the message about Christ. But I ask, did they not hear? Yes, they did. Their voice has gone out to the whole earth and their words to the ends of the world. But I ask, did Israel not understand? First, Moses said, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. I will make you angry by a nation that lacks understanding. And Isaiah says boldly, 
I was found by those who were not looking for me. I revealed myself to those who were not asking for me. But to Israel, he says, all, all day long, I have held out my hands to a disobedient and defiant people. What then? Israel's past, Israel's present, they could be saved because it's the same gospel to Jew and to the Greek, to the Jew and to the Gentile, whoever, anybody, anywhere who comes and believes in Jesus, calls on the name of the Lord Jesus, they will be saved. Okay, does God still have a future for his people? Is God done with the Jewish people? Here's his answer in Romans 11. I asked them, has God rejected his people? Absolutely not. Right, for, for I am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham from the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Or don't you know what the scripture says in the passage about Elijah, how he pleads with God against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars. I am the only one left, and they are trying to take my life. But what was God's answer to him? I have 7,000 left for myself who have not bowed down to Baal. In the same way, then, there is also at the present time a remnant chosen by grace. Now, if by grace, then it's not by works. Otherwise, grace ceases to be grace. What did? Israel did not find what it was looking for, but the elect did find it. The rest were hardened, as it is written. God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that cannot see, ears that cannot hear to this day. And David says, let their, let their table become a snare and a trap a pitfall and a retribution of them. Let their eyes be darkened so that they cannot see and their backs be bent continually. I ask them, have they stumbled so as to fall? Absolutely not. On the contrary, by their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make Israel jealous. Now, if their transgression brings riches for the world and their failure riches for the Gentiles, how much more? will their fullness bring. Now, I am speaking to you Gentiles. Insofar as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry if I might somehow make my own people jealous and save some of them. For if their rejection brings reconciliation to the world, what will their acceptance mean but life from the dead? Now, if the first fruits are holy, so is the whole batch. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. Now, if some of the branches were broken off, and you, though a wild olive branch, were grafted in among them, and have come to share in the rich root of the cultivated olive tree, do not boast that you are better than those branches. But if you do boast, you do not sustain the root, but the root sustains you. Then you will say, branches were broken off, that I might be grafted in. True enough, they were broken off because of unbelief, but you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant. But beware, because if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. Therefore, consider God's kindness and severity. Severity toward those who have fallen, but God's kindness toward you. If you remain in his kindness, otherwise you too will be cut off. And even they, if they do not remain in unbelief, will be grafted in it, because God has the power to graft them in again. For if you were cut off, from your native wild olive tree and against nature were grafted into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? I don't want you to be ignorant 
of this mystery, brothers and sisters, so that you will not be conceited. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will turn godliness, godlessness away from Jacob. And this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Regarding the gospel, they are enemies for your advantage. But regarding election, they are loved because of the patriarchs, since God's gracious gift and calling are irrevocable. As you once disobeyed God, but now have received mercy through their disobedience, so they too have now disobeyed, resulting in mercy to you, so that they also may now receive mercy. For God has imprisoned all in disobedience so that he may have mercy on all. Oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments, how untraceable his way. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor and who has ever given to God that he should be repaid. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. God knows what he's doing. God intends, God intends to save a vast multitude of the Jewish people. He says so. He says, though, Though in that day, in Paul's day, there were some Jews who believed, but many had not. And over the centuries, God has preserved the Jewish people. Now he's brought them back to their own land, and now there's an actual nation of Israel ever since May of 1948, and yet the Jews are back in their own land, largely in unbelief. Though, though we're told the number of Messianic Jews in Israel is growing, and it's growing in America. The number of Jews have come to faith in Jesus Christ around the world. It's an ever-growing number, but it's still only a tiny percentage of the total Jewish people. But uh, <laughs> Paul is saying, Paul is saying, they were put aside because of the hardness of their heart. The Gentiles were brought in. We come into the family of God. But Paul says, don't, don't get the big head, you Gentiles. <laughs> God God brought you in, in place of, and because of their unbelief. But if God brought you in, you wild, look, look let, let me say, look at me. You know what I am? I'm a branch off a very wild olive tree. I'm not Jewish. I'm not, I, I'm not Jewish. I'm Gentile all the way down to my fingertips. I'm a wild olive branch. There's no reason for me to get the big head. I got brought in. And, and God's plan is that by bringing salvation to the Gentiles, he might actually cause the Jews to say, hey, I want in on that. And, and many of them have turned to Jesus as a result of seeing what Christ has done through Gentile lives. It's a wonderful thing. Uh, uh, Dr. Jacob Gartenhouse in the long now in heaven, but Marlene and I knew in our early days, uh, well, we first heard Dr. Gartenhouse at Tennessee Temple College back then, later University, Chattanooga, Tennessee, founder of the great International Board of Jewish Mission. 
We heard Dr. Garden House speak at Tennessee Temple. Later, when we were in Dallas, uh, and I was a student at Dallas, in Dallas, Texas, early days of our marriage, uh, Dr. Garden House came to, uh, came to uh, Dallas to speak somewhere, some church, and we got to spend time with him. Brought him around and uh, just great, great man of God. I remember what Dr. Garten House said. He always encouraged Jewish evangelism. He used to say, win a Jew and you win an evangelist. Oh, what God can do. Oh, what God will do through the Jewish people. Jesus was Jewish. He is forever the promised Messiah of the Jewish people. And in the days to come, that in the days to come, they will look upon him whom they have pierced, and they will mourn, and a fountain, a fountain of salvation is going to be opened up to God's own chosen people. It's declared right here in the book of Romans. Oh, the wisdom of God. Oh, the mercy of God. Look, uh, let, let me come down to that little, that little, uh, Oh, the oh the depth of the wisdom, of the of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable His judgments, how untraceable His way. Who can trace His path through the sky? You can't tell where He's been. You can't tell where He's going. You just know there He is. You can trust the Lord. His way, He has been and He will be completely vindicated in eternity we will see he will make all things right. Until then, friends, go out and have a great, great day. God knows what he's doing. Remember, I've said this many times. He knows what he's doing, even when we don't have a clue. He's got a plan. He's working his plan. In the end, we will see God's way was best. Have a great day, folks. Come back tomorrow. We're going to go into that final great section of the book of Romans. Um, they have because of them, in view of the mercies of God, present your bodies what? A living sacrifice. Coming up tomorrow. God bless, folks. See you then.